Leaders, this Jay Z phrase, butchering the fucking quote. You were we, who we was when we got here. Just keep saying it, dude. This girl, she was butchering this Jay Z phrase so much that I don't even know what the real, the original one is now. Well, you know, you were who he was when you got here. Just slurring her fucking words. And uh, this is one of the Romantic, and I use that word in quotation marks very loosely. Romantic escapades that I regretted. Regret. Whatever. I don't even know. See, it fucked my head up so much, my goddamn grammar on damaged goods is all fucked up. But Snake Man will persist with the story. It was after a show in uh, in Cambridge, I think. I did a show at the Western Front. It might not even have been my show. It might have been some friend's show. And this woman, this girl... <laughs> lady uh she was i think acting manager for a friend of mine at the time too and also let's put loose quotation marks around the word manager and you know uh the show ended and i don't know we was both trying to smash and i don't think i was really trying to smash her but it just kind of happened that way just speaking honestly and if anyone clicked this podcast thinking like yo what the fuck dude the jake the snake was talking about sellout moments in hip-hop i'm getting there First, this is a sellout moment of my own integrity in the sexual realm. Let this be the fucking the segue into the greatest story of the podcast. Hold your horses. She's drunk as fuck. I'm kind of drunk, but I'm sobering up because it's so goddamn annoying to keep hearing her rehash this Jay-Z phrase. I think the Black Album came out like the year or two before this. or you know. Now I don't remember the song. It's not December 4th. It's, it's one of the Just Blaze produced joints on the Black Album. The dun-dun-dun. You know, it was in some ad and shit. It, it, Jay spit some fire shit, and he says, you know, you, I don't even remember that she ruined the line, but it was something to the effect of, and it was who you was when you got here, whatever. And I don't even know what in the conversation inspired this woman to keep repeating it, but she's doing it, and it's just driving me nuts, dude. And she stops repeating it just long enough for us to have some sex that was... I don't know. I don't I don't really remember myself enjoying it much. I wanted I think I wanted to leave. She had a like at this time, dude, for a girl to have a bush was a, was also like you might even say revolutionary. It was just fucking odd and it was like blonde on the tips, dark on the roots. Um it made me feel like she was older than she was, but she wasn't um she was my age. Um but I just all the more disturbing. And then we're done, and she's like sitting there, and I'm like, oh my god. And then, what does she fucking do? Hits me with the Jay-Z line one more time, and then I made myself out of there. I made myself the fuck up out of there. But I sold myself out right there, and it was a little bit of a bummer, and that is my damaged goods manner of segueing into the episode today, um, where I'll be talking about some of the more notable sellout moments in hip-hop and before we proceed there's a few disclaimers so everybody can get off the fucking you know the edges of the goddamn arena ready to jump down and join the gladiators here um i'm not making any judgments on anybody here these aren't like all my personal opinions if you you'll know where my personal opinions seep in but i'm not passing judgment on any of these artists and who am i are and anybody about selling out you know that's that could be defined in a lot of ways um, and, and, you know, 
Who's to say you dangle the right amount of money in front of my face? You know, the patient hair turns into the hungry, starving rabbit. We all could sit here or sit in our respective chairs and spots and say, I would never do that to disrespect my integrity and the integrity of the art form, which I hold so dear to my heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would never do that. But you don't really know until it's presented to you. I think we like to fashion ourselves, champion ourselves as some hardcore artists with strong standards and morals and values, and we wouldn't do certain things for money no matter what. Uh, I mean, maybe we wouldn't. Maybe most of us are those champions. But, dude, right? They dangle that right care in front of you. Who the fuck knows? So I'm not passing judgment, but maybe just a little judgment. Maybe. Maybe I'm just assessing the shit out of these motherfuckers. Um... And these aren't all of my pains. And I'm sure I didn't list all the moments if you're like, oh, dude, what about this one? What about that one? Well, what about that one, dude? DM me. Send me that shit. I'll do a part two episode. An addendum to the sellout moments in hip-hop. And I know there's sellout moments in all genres of music and all forms that are arts. I'm doing this one right here on hip-hop. So just fucking show. Um, this famous cartoonist, Bill Watterson, he's an American cartoonist, you know, he said something like, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing his quote, so bear with me. He uh, he said something to the effect that um, selling out is really more like buying in. You're buying into someone else's set of values, someone else's set of rules, uh, their reward system. You know, to achieve that greater success, you're buying into theirs. And I think um, something that hip hop has always had, still has various forms of it and degrees of come and gone. It's own set of rules and rewards and values. So when I think, you know, what people consider selling out is doing something. It's not doing something for money. It's not making money isn't selling out. I don't I think it's what did you do for that money? And did you maybe not just adopt someone else's set of rules, rewards and values, but did you disrespect the system of values and rules and rewards that the culture you're coming from, in this case, hip-hop had? Did you not just forego them, but disrespect them altogether? And I think that's kind of the, the point when people consider it selling out. You know? Uh, Mick Jagger, not a hip-hop artist, by the way, fucking Rolling Stones front man, uh, he famously said, and God, this is a fucking ugly quote, I'm not selling out, it's called making a lot of fucking money. And uh, so, you know, therefore, by mixed logic, it's all good if you're making big money. Well, you know, I, uh, maybe in hip-hop when I was a kid, and it's something like, you know, I carried into it as I grew as an adult and actually became like, you know, a musician. There was like, there was these tenets of it that you cared about that you wanted to uphold. Again, fucking give me a couple million dollars dangling from my face. Who knows? Maybe I would have done some stupid uh, jingle. But, excuse me, well, that's gross. Um, it's because I just drank two coffees because I've been so fucking tired lately because my iron level's low. And I'm drinking double coffee. Now I'm hot. My feet are sweating in my slippers. I got a bathrobe on that I'm probably going to have to take off. Um, by mixed logic, you know, it's all good if you're making big money, but, you know, there's these tenets of shit in hip-hop, these things you cared about, these kind of standards that not only were disrespectful to the culture, but, like, would essentially ruin your reputation. And you cared about your reputation for some reason. It was important. It was kind of like your word, your honor. It was like something that you might have had if you had nothing else. But, um, you know, in the matter of selling out, money can replace that honor and shit. That's, you know, or you think it might. Um, 
I, there's, you know, there's so many, it's, it's, I think it's real sensitive when it's an artist that you like to respect it. Like, I always think of Premier, DJ Premier, and Method Man doing that fucking song with Limp Biscuit. And I'm not hating, dude. Look, man, I love Primo. He's like one of the best producers ever. Method Man's the shit. He's from the legendary fucking woo, dude. Like, I, I, I got so much respect for those dudes. And so it's not a knock on them, but you're just like, God damn. You know, I think of like the best artists of all time is are they people who have, you know, huge hits, but do they have no misses or no blemishes on their, and it's hard because dude, like Primo's one of the best, but I'd be lying if I said that song isn't corny and Limp Biscuit isn't one of the worst musical acts uh, to my knowledge at all. I didn't know anybody really when I was younger that listened to that kind of shit, the corn, the Limp Biscuit, the, uh, I called it strip mall, suburban strip mall rock. It was like, I don't know where these people are, but they're there. And they're, it was popular as fuck. And it was so, I feel like Limp Bizzik, like the dude, so bad musically. Fred Durst. And no, I did not see his directorial debut. Debut. <laughs> debut with motherfucking John Travolta. But that looks like a shit storm wrapped up in a crap tornado. I just made that southern phrase up right now. Um, but dude, that fucking hurt, you know, at the time, then you grow up and you're like, dude, stop hating, they're getting money, I'm sure they got a lot of money, and it's, I mean, the beat was fine, it wasn't like they went out of the realm of hip-hop, it was kind of like, it was more like, uh, Limp Bizkit trying to legitimize themselves to the hip-hop community, or maybe they were paying homage or doing both or whatever, but it just sucked, but it, you know, like, do you, do you, do you disregard the further careers and legacies of Premier and Meth on that? I hope not. I don't. I mean, you got to think like people think, okay, corporations coming in and using hip hop and then you're selling out hip hop to, you, you know, collab with the corporation. I think if the artists are endorsing products and those products are ones that are deemed fine, like, you know, Adidas isn't a hip hop owned company, but we never had a problem with anyone endorsing Adidas in the hip hop community for the most part. You know, um, I mean, dude, from Boston, like Adidas is a very big, special part of my heart in the realm of attire and footwear. Um, I'm not going to do a whole podcast about it. Look up the fucking history. Uh, but, you know, you think about like the Sprite ads in the 90s. Sprite ain't no hip hop company. It isn't from the community. It's fucking Sprite. They're under the Coca-Cola umbrella. This is big time corporate shit. But the Sprite ads in the 90s, people don't really look down on them. I mean, you had artists like Common had one. Dude, Pun was in one. Fucking you had Nas and AZ recreating the scene from the legendary Wild Style movie. Uh, and, I mean, it's almost like Sprite, like, kind of let hip-hop play by their rules there. I'm not saying it wasn't whatever, but, I mean, that wasn't really do deemed selling out compared to, like... Sorry, try and drink the water to cool the coffee down. Um, it wasn't really deemed as like a super sellout moment like some of these other ones we'll talk about. You know, when people are endorsing the ad, you're like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, Juvenile. Juvenile. Good God, Juvenile, what did you do? Back that vax up. A remake. Let's throw loose quotes around remake. Remix of his legendary song. He's probably the song is his biggest claim to fame, his biggest legacy hit, Back That Ass Up, which is a fire beat, Manny Fresh. Well done. And he called it Back That Vax Up. Now, chill the fuck out before anybody gets too riled up. I got a vaccine. Calm down. This isn't an anti-vax thing. It has nothing to do with it. It's just, did you need money that bad that you would take your legacy hit? You didn't make a new song. You took what was in something that people 
can remember you by, which I think deep down is every artist's like real dream, real passion. Maybe unspoken is like, fuck it, no money, this and that. Like I want people to remember my my book, my movie, my song, my whatever, after I'm gone or even after I retire when I'm dead. And that would be with the song that like that's the juvenile song that still gets played that people know young kids now know, you know what I'm saying? And you made that remix. Back that vax up, simping for Big Pharma who have a proven track record and not giving a fuck about people and doing things that are fucking harmful. I'm not saying the vaccine's harmful. I'm not saying it's not. It, it's kind of a really shitty moment of selling out to do that ad and ruin your legacy song. That's what we're talking about here. Don't get sidetracked. This is what I'm talking about. If we're talking about integrity and shit for your art, that was a pretty black eye moment right there on Juvenile's career. Um, and then, I mean, then you got interesting situations like Snoop, Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop. Everybody loves Snoop. Is there anything, is there anything Snoop won't do an ad for? This man has done so many ads and endorsements. And I'm not talking about the collabs. It's not like, listen, when you, you start your own company or say a company like, you know, Adidas says, hey, we want to do a damaged goods shoe. It's not totally selling out or it might not be selling out at all. You're kind of collaborating. You're working. You're making like your own product. It's not like your own brand per se, but it, you have influence over it. It's not just like, hey, we make really tasty chips. Get in this ad and hold up the chips and we'll give you a, you know, a million bucks. But Snoop has done so many ads. And again, like I'm not, I'm not really knocking him because one thing you could say Snoop is always him cross all the lines in these ads they don't really make him do or say anything he doesn't want to do and i'm sure he has a lot of sway with what will and won't be said what won't you know what won't he betray so i respect that although he did become roster for an album and do that reggae album and then switch back so there was that but uh just a, a small list of the ads snoop has done the companies the corporations that snoop has done ads for corona beer which is probably more than recent dunkin donuts Hometown favorite. Soda Stream. It's a machine that makes soda to rot your teeth. The General, which I think is insurance. Hot Pockets, those tasty little dangerous, dangerous treats. Old Navy. Wonderful Pistachios. That's the brand. Wonderful. Pepsi. Adidas. T-Mobile. Tostitos chips and more. Snoop got a fucking, got a gang of sponsors. But again, he's snooping all of them. So, you know. Um, he's not changing it up. There's a lot of other more, uh, you know, uh, people might have a perspective on some artist selling out and you might not even know about it or care about it because to you it don't look like that. I mean, back in the day when Big Daddy Kane was at more the height of his fame, he posed nude for Playgirl, which, you know, some people that was like, that was what? Like in the hip hop community. You know, an eyebrow razor. Uh, he was kind of like the playboy, ladies' man kind of dude. So it wasn't like he was a gangster rapper. It wasn't really against his fucking, his uh, stature or his character. But it definitely was, uh, you know, an eyebrow razor. As I just fucking said, good one, Jake, repeating yourself. Uh, some say the Flavor Love Show, Flavor Flavor Show on VH1. Um, but then, you know, also by that logic, you, would you have to say that every rapper... Has ever been on a, a reality show in a major way, at least? Was that selling out? You know? Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really watch that shit. I don't watch much fucking TV, period, I guess. I don't have cable. But I even when I did, when I was young, I didn't have fucking time or desire to watch reality shows. Memphis Bleak. Oh, this one hurts. 
Uh, his career may have seemed bleak if you wanted to. Yeah, somebody right there just did a Memphis bleak pun. If the other guy doing this podcast, the Jake the Snake Bizarro, did it with a Memphis Bleak's career, must have been bleak if he was going to do a Garnier Fructose shampoo ad. Yeah, he did these fucking shampoo ads. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Garnier Fructose. And he was rapping about shampoo in the ad, which kind of sucks. That's kind of cheesy, but whatever. Hey, dude, shit. Jay-Z's protege didn't really produce. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas... You know, a lot of people you know that like there was a staunch departure in their sound uh, when they added Fergie went full pop and they become a gigantic pop artist. But, you know, they were cut from a B-boy claw, so some people were like, who's sellouts? Whatever. Uh, MC Hammer for Pepsi, people used to like, that was a big deal because he was such a big star and, you know, he was doing the Pepsi ads and shit, dancing in the big pants and the shoulder pads. The motherfucker got a blazer on looking like my damn grandmother with them shoulder pads. But, uh... I feel like, regardless of Hammer's past, he was always a pop artist on the front, front so I don't know why people would ever trip about that. Kanan, uh, this this uh, Somalian artist who I think eventually became based out of Toronto or, the, or whatever. Um, he, he's pretty, I liked his fucking first or second albums, were pretty dope, but he was on the, the Nas Damian Marley album on a couple of tracks. And he's a pretty righteous dude, you know, musically saying, and, and speaks about some good shit and tells good stories and sonically doesn't really gravitate towards any pop sounds and shit. keeps kind of organic. He had a song used by Coca-Cola in some FIFA ads for one of the World Cups some back some time ago. Now, FIFA, this is an interesting one because FIFA itself as an organization is known to be pretty fucking corrupt and bad. Um, and so, I mean, he's not, you know, the FIFA is using the Coca-Cola ad, but, you know, but uh, Coca-Cola, big corporation, whatever, they own Sprite. But I thought it was interesting because if you know Kanan's music or his style, this just seems a little wild. But it, he didn't make some bullshit song up for it. It was, you know, one of his songs already that just happened. They thought it fit. Maybe. I don't know. But interesting what he said in response when people were deeming him a sellout for this. He said, when I write from the deepest part of my heart, my advisors say, I remind people too much of Somalia, which I escaped as a boy. My audience is in America, so my songs should reflect the land where I have chosen to live and work. That does kind of sound sellouty. I can't lie, dude. The phrasing, and also my advisors say, like, I don't like that statement, but whatever. Um, somebody, uh, there's been a lot of you know people throwing words like sellout or whatever. White artists like Post Malone and MGK. Um, that, you know, they, they kind of used hip-hop to get on. The hip-hop gave them the platform to, for their careers, and then they drifted from it kind of completely. Maybe MGK completely, maybe not Post Malone completely. Remember, dude, I don't know none of these people personally. I'm not judging their character. These aren't my personal feelings. I'm just talking. To, we're having a discussion, man. It's a fucking discussion on damaged goods. Hip-hop was how they got introduced to the larger world. And from there, they, you know, you can go and do other things, you can be a fucking actor. You can write books, open a restaurant. You could totally change your genre of music like MGK. Um, a lot of people credit Eminem's diss track to him as doing that. I think he was already on the way to that. Maybe that was the nail in the coffin. But, you know, his hip-hop career was whatever probably. And he saw potential doing whatever the fuck you would consider him doing now. Banging that chick from the Transformers movies who looked like she got too much plastic surgery done way too early. Anyway. Uh, and I'm all for artists expanding and spreading your wings, growing, you know. 
But turning your back or completely downplaying hip hop's importance to your career, I, I personally, now hearing me as being personal, I find that's kind of wild disrespect. Um, and, and I'm not saying these guys, I'm just saying in general, the concept, the notion of it. And maybe that means you weren't really into the culture ever. Maybe it wasn't really truly a part of you. Maybe it was just an idea of making rap music. I'm not trying to sound like KRS-One. I'm just saying, like, you know, maybe, you know, you didn't grow up with the culture, didn't mean something to you, and that's why it was easy to gravitate away for it. It's kind of downplay how important it was to you doing the shit you're doing now musically. But if it was truly something you were a part of that you really loved, then you could grow and change and evolve musically, stylistically, while still being able to show love and respect and admiration back for hip-hop. I don't think that's hard to balance. Um, remember, just conversation, I'm not making judgments. And people might say, well, what about rappers who become actors, like Ice Cube and Ice-T and stuff? Acting's another art form. I don't really see that as selling out. They're in another art form, playing roles. Acting is pretending to be somebody else. So if they're not being the guy that you heard in a rap song, that's because they're fucking acting. Uh, it's not necessarily endorsing any old product for cash. I know there's probably other fucking instances I didn't mention. Sure, do DM me. We'll do another one. We'll do great sellout moments in heavy metal. The best sellout moments ever in jazz. The grandest sellout moments in blues. Whatever. We'll do other ones. Or we'll do a hip-hop part two one. Um, Damage Goods Podcast. Back in action. Snake Man was down for the count for a little while. Wasn't so well. I am on the better side of well. I'm swell, in, in matter of fact. Um, so more coming soon.